Lord, we continue to pray for an end to this pandemic. We pray comfort for those who have suffered the loss of loved ones. We pray healing for those who are ill. We pray patience for those who are in quarantine. And we pray for strength for those who are enduring the months of isolation and loneliness. We pray for hope for those who are depressed and despairing. And, oh God, we ask that you would turn our hearts to you in this time. That we would remember that our life and each moment of it belong to you and rests only in you. And, Lord, as we remember, we thank you for your faithfulness all of our days. And God, we ask that you bless all the medical people and first responders who are ministering in this season. Encourage them, strengthen them, and give them opportunities for rest and renewal. We've been told that we're in the thick of hard weeks with tremendous loss of life across the country. And so, Lord, we ask that you would grant those who are witnessing it that they would have opportunities to grieve and to set down the burden that they bear. Lord, we pray in this Advent season that people would be drawn to seeking you. We pray, O oh Lord, that you would begin to prepare the way for people to gather, to study your word, to pray, to worship. Even now, Lord, we dream of seeing a new presbytery, congregations lifted up, new believers we ask that you would help and use us to be part of starting the Presbytery of Northern Nevada, that this new thing would bear witness to your hand at work in our midst. And we pray for the mission and the ministry of this congregation, that you would be filling us with the desire to share your grace, love, mercy, and compassion with our neighbors, the community, and with the world into which you have sent us. Focus our eyes forward on your kingdom and what we can be doing now to prepare for that day. Lord, we lift to you the elected officials at every level dealing with decisions that have to be made. Guide them that they would be faithful to your leading. Help them to act rightly and justly. We do pray for the missions and the missionaries we support. We do lift up Jeff and Abby Nelson and their family for their transition back to Guatemala for their support and that your hand would be continually upon them in the work that you've set before them. We ask your blessing on Lou Hawley and her ministry in Thailand. And locally, Lord, we pray for the advocates to end domestic violence for the health, strength, and safety of the staff and volunteers, and that they would be able to minister effectively with those who are in crisis. Oh God, we pray in this season for the safety and the health of our men and women serving in the military, that they would know your peace, and that you would bless their families in times of separation. We pray for those in this congregation in need of your healing and comfort, we lift to you Jim Alexander, Rex Baggett, that your healing hand would be on Carolyn Belcher, 
and Curtis Bonneville. We lift up Susan Bauer's son, Dominic, that you would grant him direction and turn his life towards you. And Lord, we ask that your healing hand would be on the Hathaway family dealing with COVID diagnoses and that you would strengthen and sustain Chris through this. Let your comfort be with John Hancock grieving the death of his brother. Direction, guidance, and protection for Nicole Neal. Strength and joy for Doris Wheeler and Omega. We ask that you continue to have your hand on Todd Wheeler, that he would be drawn closer to you, that you would touch his body with healing. And for Jean and Lorraine Wilkinson, Lord, that they would know your presence with them. As we approach this Christmas, oh God, we have a better understanding of those who were yearning for a Messiah. As you've been faithful to your promises, we ask that you would be faithful to your promises as we cry out, Come, Lord Jesus, come. And hear us now, God, as together we pray, as Jesus taught his disciples, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, friends, we move now to time of uh, proclamation of the word. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Old Testament here in Advent, from Isaiah 55. And so I invite you to hear the word of the Lord. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you that have no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen so that you may live. I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. See, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. See, you shall call nations that you do not know, and nations that do not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. 
For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they've watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And Lord God, we do come before you now and ask that in this time, in this medium, in this opportunity, your word, your gospel would go forth with boldness and clarity, touching our lives, encouraging believers, convicting those who do not yet know you, that all may come with joy to sing your praises. Lord, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Because you, O oh Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, this is the third week of Advent. And the third Sunday traditionally is focused on joy, hope, peace, joy, love. Those are the four topics of the four Sundays of Advent. And Advent is a time for joy. Preaching on joy during a, nor- during a normal Advent is difficult. This year, it seems delusional. When I was younger, I can remember listening to sermons on joy during Advent and thinking, great, I'm supposed to feel joy. On top of everything else I've got to get done, now I've got to be joyful. Thanks a lot. And this year, it's, Look around. Joy, get real. I understand. However, Advent is a time for joy. We just have to understand what is the source and the foundation that joy and what it means to be joyful. In an article entitled, Have Faith in Joy, James Martin wrote, Does Christian joy, which flows from believing in the good news, mean that I am supposed to be happy all the time? Short answer, no. Let me distinguish joy from happiness. Martin wrote, Unlike happiness, joy is not simply a fleeting feeling or an ever-nascent emotion. It is a permanent result of one's connection to God. The believer must navigate between grinning, idiotic, false happiness and carping, caterwauling, and complaining mopiness. And notice I'm not speaking of clinical depression here, which is more of a psychological issue. Overall, the believer will be happy and sad at different points in his life. But joy is possible in the midst of tragedy, since joy 
depends on one's faith and confidence in God. Let me say that again. It is joy is possible in the midst of tragedy because joy depends on one's faith and confidence in God. Advent is a time of remembering and waiting for God. It's a time when we focus on God's story, on God's activity, on God's Word. The source and the foundation of our joy is God. It's not in something we do. It's not in something we accomplish. Joy is found in remembering what God has done, remembering what God is doing, and holding on to what God has yet to do. Now, our sermon text comes from the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah was written over the course of 12 generations that endured incredible suffering. Situation wasn't good for Israel. Throughout time covered in Isaiah, the northern kingdom was conquered by Assyria. Those ten tribes, the people were taken off into exile, never heard from again. Southern kingdom would last a little bit longer. However, it too was taken into exile in Babylon. Now, Isaiah 55 was written to a people in exile. They'd lost everything. They were prisoners and slaves and refugees. They'd been driven from their homes. They were grieving the loss of relatives who had been killed or left to die. They were despairing over the apparent abandonment by God, if God ever really existed at all. It was a tough time to be talking about joy. I mean, how were they to understand what was happening to them? How were they to understand what had happened to them? Well, in the book of Isaiah, there is a turn at chapter 40. In the first 39 chapters, the focus was on the curses of breaking God's covenant, seen in God's wrath and judgment executed by the nations that conquered and oppressed Israel. In chapter 40 and beyond, the focus turns to how God would restore Israel and remember his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to Moses and David. What does Isaiah 55 promise? Well, God called the people to come to him and be satisfied. Those who are thirsty, come find water. Those who are poor and hungry, come be filled. Those were the promises of a great banquet, a banquet where Yahweh was the host. God made it clear that the way of life was by inclining our ear to him. That is, God was inviting them to be restored to a right relationship with him. Inclining their ear to him included remembering God's covenant promises and call for Israel to be his priestly kingdom and holy nation. Now let me stop here for a moment. Because we read Isaiah 55 in the context of the forthcoming Messiah. 
it's important that we remember that Isaiah 55 was written hundreds of years before that event and was addressing issues that the people of God had at that time. I mean, how amazing is God? Consider how rich is Scripture. I mean, use the text today as an illustration. Isaiah 55 was a foundation for joy for the people who were in exile. It was for a foundation for their joy. God was promising to restore the people from exile to Jerusalem through the agency of Persian emperors Darius and Cyrus. Foreign emperors would be servants of Yahweh. Remembering how people, how God had led the people of Israel out of Egypt, defeating Pharaoh. Remembering how God had provided for them in the desert. Remembering how God had led Joshua in conquering and settling peacefully the promised land. There was reason for this people to have hope in exile. To have faith and even joy in hearing the promised God's promised restoration. And it happened. God delivered. The people were restored from exile to Jerusalem through the agency of Persian emperors. As promised, God delivered. In Jesus' time, for people who were living under Roman oppression, pharisaical judgments, this text was talked about and was a foundation for joy for people. And in his birth and his life and his obedient walk, the deeds of power that revealed his identity as the anointed son of David and the son of God, Jesus gave, people, gave reason for people living under foreign oppression and cultural legalistic disdain to have faith and even joy in his promise of the kingdom of heaven. It happened. As promised, God delivered. And then Jesus declared a new covenant as described in Isaiah 55. He instituted the Lord's Supper, a communion meal marking peace with God, salvation, and eternal life for those who incline their ear. It was a foretaste of a banquet where those who have been thirsty will have water. Those who have been hungry will be filled. So today, we return to God's Word in the midst of a world that stands at odds before God. We see nation fighting against nation. We see war and strife. Last week, you might remember, Alan Jones stood up here with a paper that went down to the floor listing all of the current armed conflicts in the world. We see our own country ignoring or waging battle against each other and against God. In this pandemic, we have seen people turn on each other, blame each other, dismiss each other, and despise each other for the hardships we're experiencing. I mean, I know there are many people who are frustrated and not hopeful about the future because it seems like things are moving away from rather than towards God. 
Yet in the midst of all these perceived evils, troubles, and hardships, we have reason for joy in God's promise of Christ coming again and the realization of the full kingdom of heaven. It will happen. As God has promised, God will deliver. So the question is, how? How do we have joy now? See. What was God's command to the people? See. See. We often fall from joy because we fail to see. We don't have joy because we don't look with eyes to see what God has done and is doing. If we listen only to the world and don't spend time in the Word, we get lost in the despair of what's going wrong. If we listen only to the world and don't spend time in the Word, we get detached from God's promises and perceive only emptiness. If we listen to the world and keep our faith to ourselves, we find that we're devoid of the encouragement that we would receive from others and they from us. And we're left alone wondering if any of it is real. Friends, we have to see. We have to look. Look at what God has done. Look at what God is doing. Look to see what God has promised when it will be done. God declares that His Word's not going to return empty to Him. And if we imagine the world around us to be fields, God has promised that He will show us the barren land being transformed into great explosions of fruitfulness and, and life. He will deliver us from despair, from emptiness, from loneliness, and from sin and death. I mean, that's the great Christmas carol we opened with. Joy to the world. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let us our songs employ while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. And he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. I mean, just as the promises in Isaiah 55 were given to the people in exile, and just as the covenant that Jesus established in the Lord's Supper came before his crucifixion and resurrection, God has shown us and promised us the reality of the coming kingdom of heaven. What we see here and now is not eternal, no matter how it feels. It is not eternal. What we see here and now is not controlling. No matter how it feels, it's not. And what we see here and now is not how things will be. So look with eyes to see what God has done, is doing, and will do. We have to look, see. But see what? What is it we're supposed to see? 
the Messiah, the Savior. Joy is the celebration of God's rescuing us. You see, that's the true joy in Advent, the promise of rescue. It's not a celebration of our abundance. And unlike the advertisements, eternal love is not expressed in a diamond or other material gift. The true Christmas spirit is not holiday spirit. That is, it is not a reverie of friendship for the sake of having a party. Joy is the hope and the realization of rescue. Help has come. Help is on the way. We are not alone. God is with us, Emmanuel. And we are assured of our hope in him. Now, imagine being pulled out into the ocean by a riptide. I mean, maybe a little difficult from here up in the mountains, but, I mean, go with me here. Imagine that you're being pulled out into the ocean by a riptide, and you're watching the land recede from you. And imagine your despair as the waves begin to crash over you. And then, imagine your response and seeing a lifeguard coming in the distance. Joy. Joy is a response to rescue. Joy is a response to victory. True joy starts from a place of great need. So does anybody here need rescue? Right? Anyone see all around us people who need rescue? This pandemic has exacerbated all sorts of needs and anxieties. I mean, obviously the fear about our health. But it's also the pressure about finances. It's about grieving loss of fellowship and relationships. And it even highlights our distance from God because of unconfessed sin. That is, something that we've done or we've failed to do that we hold on to because, you know, we believe God couldn't forgive that. The darkness of now can be overwhelming. I think we see that. It can be so heavy and oppressive that it looks like there's no way out. But the time for joy is now when we need it most. In these circumstances, joy is not a Pollyanna plastic smile pasted over the difficulties. Joy is the attitude of determined persistence in the midst of the present suffering. It's holding fast to the vision of a Savior of redemption, of restoration. It's about rescue. That's the joy of Advent. Now, in the time leading up to Christmas, children often act as they do waiting in line to enter an amusement park for the first time. There's wonder at the sights and the sounds. There's excitement as they marvel at the mystery and the potential. There is hopeful expectation for the emotional feelings that they anticipate having. Joy is the anticipation of things to come. This is the joy of living in the already but not yet time. The Messiah has come and the Messiah will come again. 